Hello everyone, welcome to episode 20 of uh, DevOps Squared. Um, so obviously a, a milestone first and foremost, 20 episodes in. Uh, and I just want to take the opportunity before we start this week to just thank everyone for their support and, and thank the listeners for uh, tuning in every week. We're, we're nearly uh, up to a thousand regular listeners now. So uh, really good to have that level of support and, and appreciate all the comments and feedback from people that listen on a regular basis that they're um, enjoying the things that we discuss and the uh, variety of guests that we have on. So uh, again, thank you very much for your support. Hopefully it continues to grow and uh, there's lots more exciting things coming up in the near future. So please stay tuned. Um, so back to back to this week's episode. Um, so actually episode 20 this week and, and 21 next week uh, are actually a, a double bill. So uh, we, we have the same guests talking about two different subjects, but they are um, related in some way. So first of all, we're going to be talking about how to become a better DevOps engineer. So we're going to go into a, a little bit of detail around what exactly is a, a DevOps engineer. How do you become a, a great DevOps engineer and get to that next level? Uh, and just how your understanding uh, has evolved, I guess, in the past few years. Uh, and hopefully people will pick up some themes in there as well. And then next week, um, we're going to look at it from a developer's point of view. So how do you improve your DevOps skills as a developer is the subject for episode 21 next week. But um, without further ado for, for both episodes, um, let me introduce uh, this week's guest. So I'm uh, really pleased to have uh, Yuval Oren who, uh, on the show, who's a DevOps consultant. Um, from all the way out in Israel. So uh, Yuval, first of all, thank you very much for agreeing to join us for uh, not just one, but two episodes. And would you like to just give us a, a quick introduction to yourself and uh, tell the listeners a, a little bit more about you? Oh, thanks. So first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so I'm a DevOps consultant, as you said, a DevOps consultant, DevSecOps consultant from Israel. I usually try to help developers become more productive. So this is how I kind of see myself as in the role of trying to help developers become more productive. Okay, great. And you know, the subject subject to this week, like I say, is, is how to become a better DevOps engineer. But, but first of all, um, I just want to ask uh, you the question that I ask everyone that, that comes on the show. And, and it's a little, little bit too Barreled really, but um, I, I guess first and foremost, what does DevOps mean to you? Okay, so I guess everyone has their own view of what DevOps is, but for me, in my little world, it is about breaking organizational walls and making developers the actual owners of their code, of the product of the company. And by doing that, we're basically aligning their goals with business value. Once they own the code, they own it through uh, from writing it and to putting it in front of clients, in front of customers. That is basically what is DevOps is about. And as DevOps engineers, uh, we're tasked with making this happen, uh, laying out the grounds for developers to become more productive to become the owners of the code and give them all the tools because usually companies come from, 
uh, from a world that doesn't have that. So developers are uh, working on their own in the back, uh, usually not customer facing, and they don't have the practices and systems in place to own the code and be a, an actual business unit, an active one. So that's that's interesting. I, I really like what you said about devs being um, owners of of their own destiny, I guess, in, in a lot of ways. And yeah, um, it's it's interesting that if you if you look at sometimes even the same organization, I feel where you have sets of developers who work in a in a in a DevOps um, environment versus those don't the 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 findings of who works in which team I think are immediately obvious as, as far as I'm concerned. You can tell from just talking to to uh, a couple of developers which one is in the team that practices DevOps and which one um, isn't. And I, and I think personally that's, that's one of the key things that you learn from a development point of view. If you're a de developer, I think that's one of the key things that you learn, um, excuse me, working in a DevOps environment is um, what what exactly it means to be an owner of what you write because that's not traditionally something that developers are used to hearing and understanding. Yeah, usually they have they write their code, send it over to someone else to to test it, and then that's the ops team's problem now, right? I'm done with my work. I'm working on the next sprint, and some companies are starting to move. And that's like the unicorns out there that don't have DevOps teams. They have uh, developers who are doing everything. Some are doing no QA. That's also something that is happening right now. But uh, it's still not there. And that's why I think we have DevOps engineers, dedicated DevOps engineers uh, still out there. And we need to make that work. We're trying to get to be a uni like the unicorns out there. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree. And the the second um, part of the the first question really is if if I asked if I asked you the same question um, you know even eighteen months two years ago um, what does DevOps mean to you would would your answer have, have been different and if so why is that um, I don't necessarily think that it would have been different the answer but I think the things that we are working on as DevOps engineers and the systems and the processes that we're currently working on would have been different. So two years ago, people were still working on their pipelines earlier on CI, CD, moving to that um, workflow and maybe starting moving to the cloud, to Kubernetes, uh, to containers. And so the goal was the same, but I think we were earlier on the pipeline, right? So now we're adding mm -hmm. security, we're adding new things. Uh, to the systems that are that that we've built two or three years ago. Yeah, no, I, I definitely definitely agree. I think uh, so. Certainly, my understanding has evolved, but I think fundamentally that is driven by wider adoption uh, of DevOps. And the more the more people adopt it, it's like everything else. The more people adopt a certain technology, the more you get to learn if you work for the vendor of that technology how it works in different scenarios and i think you can say the same with devops as it's got more popular and more widely adopted 
we're, we're all as as um, thought leaders in DevOps and experts in the field, we're all starting to understand more how it works in different scenarios. And and I think fundamentally, I'll often say that, you know, my understanding has changed, but I think if I think about it um, a, a bit deeper than that, it is probably that the number of use cases has increased or the application of DevOps has increased in such a big way that that is what makes me understand it a little bit differently to what I did a while ago. Yeah, you can actually see different friction points coming up that weren't there before because the type of companies that started implementing DevOps are different. So larger organizations are starting and they have a different set of problems that we they used to have before that. So it's very interesting to be in DevOps right now. Yeah, definitely. So let's um so let's get into um how to become a, a better DevOps engineer. And so I think I think first of all we need to answer the the fundamental question that I think many, many people uh, around the world in the field of DevOps will ask, what exactly is a DevOps engineer? What does it mean to be a DevOps engineer? Okay, so that's that's an excellent, excellent question. So again, I think that the role is there to serve the company, the organization, by making developers more productive for them because you basically have this resource uh, called developers that are basically force multipliers they they work and uh, their product is amplify amplifying value to the customer and you want to make sure that they're very very productive mm -hmm. and you want uh, to have them part of the business and you have you're implementing agile and all sorts of processes and now you want them to give them the tools to do so right so i think for me at least and it's different between companies my role as a DevOps engineer, as a DevOps consultant, is um, is helping developers, and they they are my clients, right? If I I, I need to make sure that uh, their build is running flawlessly, I want to make sure that they're not waiting too much for their build. I want to, them to have a good experience, and then have the tools to to maintain that, right? If a developer can't troubleshoot his code that's on me. I need to provide him with the tools to troubleshoot things in production. I need to help them um, have all the information they need to make decisions. So that's where I think. I think we're like engineers of a specific domain, which is how to mm. deploy this thing, how to build it, how to run it. Uh, de definitely. And I think, I, I actually think one of the things that gets lost in explaining what a what a DevOps engineer is, is, you know, we, we seem to sometimes forget, and I, I'm pretty sure I've been guilty of this before as well, is that fundamentally we are taking the best elements of developers and the best elements of operations, and, and we're trying to put them together and, and you know, almost create a super engineer, if you, <laughs> if you like, uh, to use a slightly different uh, analogy. But I, I think what, and I don't know where this comes from. I'd be interested to get your views on what, why you think we've got to the place we, we have. But I think it's very confusing for um, people who are into implementing DevOps as to exactly what DevOps engineers are. Is it is it because there's not been a good enough job done of defining roles and responsibilities? You know, your traditional racing matrix 
for, for what a DevOps engineer is? Is it because organizations do DevOps very differently? So the, the, the tasks that are involved with DevOps engineer fluctuates you know massively between different organizations or is there something else at, at play do you think as to as to why we've got to this confusing state oh that's an excellent question so i think it originates with the idea and adaptation of devops as a concept right so it started with this dream where developers are like super engineers like you said or the true meaning like we had the original hackers right they were mm -hmm. tinkering with the code and they did everything so that's the ideal and i think it's a good story and it was sold and it, it was very good for SaaS companies and smaller startups that could own it and start working in these methods right it, it is a big change a change in mind a change in concept and everyone started to adopt that because yes that is a very good uh, workflow and um, it's very productive developers are not wasting time uh, they know what they're doing they're getting to know their architecture better and then you introduce this concept to companies that already has their own um, they have an ops team and they have developers and developers don't want to uh, deploy their code they want to keep working on just code and you had all sorts of system, people working in ops. So you had network uh, people working on networking, network engineering, you had information security people, you had systems, all sorts of things. And now you're basically saying to them, okay, so this is our goal, let's get there. So everyone has a different interpretation of what that is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, this is it. And I, 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 I remember, um, been at a, it was actually the last in-person conference I went to <laughs> before uh, COVID-19 came in, in March. Uh, I was at Cloud Expo in, in London. Uh, I was speaking at that event and uh, I remember a conversation with a recruiter actually really well as, you know, they were, they were looking to get into the field of recruiting DevOps professionals and saying, you know, so what, what is a DevOps engineer? So I went through some of the things um that i could think of off the top of my head really quickly and, and they said well what's the difference between a devops engineer and an infrastructure engineer <laughs> i was like well yeah. you know that, there's the there's the million dollar question really and i i actually i actually think there isn't other than one specific thing and that one specific thing is that you know while the the things that they have in common i guess that they're, they're great systems admins uh, they have some great hands-on experience of, of deploying various technologies that the organization works with. They, they have, um, you know, some scripting knowledge at least. Um, they understand automation tooling. They have, uh, you know, at least an awareness of security uh, and, a, and a generally aware of how to detect things happening in their environments and, and, you know, how to deal with it and how to report it. But I think there's you know, really two, actually not one, two fundamental differences between an infrastructure engineer and a DevOps engineer. I think the first one, and probably the smaller one, is that while you don't have to have um, this knowledge, I think development knowledge, knowledge of coding actually goes a long way. I'm not talking about scripting, I'm actually writing code, software engineering. 
Um, I think that goes a long, long way. And then the critical one for me is that the soft skills are a must have. And that is what sets a DevOps engineer apart from an infrastructure engineer is those soft skills, the, you know, the understanding of agile working, the understanding of how to collaborate, the understanding of um, how to communicate more efficiently. Uh, and those, are, especially the soft skills, I think are what sets those two groups of people apart. I'm not sure if you have a different take on that or, or agree. Oh, definitely. Um, I think, and even for me, so uh, along my career, I think once I got programming, which came in a little later in my career and just before I became a, uh, honed in on DevOps more, um, I think it didn't really click until I started working as a software developer in a team, on a team, right? Mm -hmm. um, and only then I understood the struggles, the problems, the thought process. And and yes, I, th that's why I tend to think that you have to have this background so you can communicate better with your clients, which are developers, um, and uh, be more productive. And think about you as a, if you come in for, with um, infrastructure engineering knowledge, Right, you're augmenting their own, and you can suggest things uh, from your world with a full understanding of the developer's life cycle. You know where they struggle, you know um, the pains that they have, and then you are able to be a better DevOps engineer. I think. I think it's a must. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I completely, uh, I completely agree. Um, uh, one of the things I, I, you know, I'm certainly interested in is diving into a, a little bit more is that you know the the market is is full of uh, DevOps professionals uh, and DevOps engineers especially, uh, and obviously you know certainly in the US and, and Europe there comes a price tag for hiring someone with those. Um, skills uh, and the challenge is finding the right person because everyone now says that they're a DevOps engineer when <laughs> for the most part a, a good percentage of the people apply are probably not um, but you know that's a that's a separate topic but you know how I, I guess the next thing that I, I wanted to chat to you about is how do you become a, a great DevOps engineer you know you're a good DevOps engineer how do you become a a great DevOps engineer because I feel increasingly in the industry the personal brand is now becoming extremely important when it comes to DevOps and if you can if you can figure out what elevates you to be better than anyone else that applies for that same job then you have uh, you know the best chance possible to be able to land the next role that you're looking for in your career so so how how do you go from being a you know, even an average or a good DevOps engineer to that next level. Okay, so I think that it starts not with specific tools. You don't have to be familiar or know the ins and outs of a specific tool, right? It's not about know, getting to know Jenkins the best or Kubernetes or Docker Swarm, if you're still into that, um, but having the first principles that are related to DevOps down. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean by that? So um, the first principles are things that 
you have a basic understanding of. If we'll take uh, networking, like network engineering, you know the ins and outs. You know how packets are being routed on the internet. You know all the layers and how they work together. Um, you know s about switching and you know about packet filtering. So that's one domain, right? But you need to, to know the basic principles. Once you know them, um, you can use that and use that knowledge to build new things and think about things in a different way. So when you're reading a blog post, and I think this I have a good example of it. So I was with a client uh, once, helping a client migrate to Kubernetes. He was doing, uh, he was struggling with one problem. And uh, I came in to help, and this wasn't my uh, area of expertise, that specific things he was struggling with. And I did what I always do. I open Google and I search for things and I read blog posts that help me solve the problem. And then I solved it and he came in and said, wow, how did you solve it? And my screen had that blog post open and I said, I just followed this. And he said, I read that like yesterday and I couldn't solve it. But I think that for that specific issue, I had the tools, I had the first principles to take the problem, which mm -hmm. was um, not specifically answered on that post, but take have some takeaways from that article, right? I had the foundation uh, to know that. So, so for me, it, it, I think that having good first principles in systems, knowing uh, Linux, knowing security, knowing how certificates work, having all sorts of um, information that is fundamental to what we do and actually thinking about it and understanding it instead of co copying it off, off of Stack Overflow, I think that's <laughs> yeah. the edge, right? Um, that's the way you can build new things and think about problems better. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I would, I would even go as far as saying, you know, I, I talk, I've talked to a lot of people actually who want to know how to, to do this, I guess get to the next level of their career, but they've not really been around the DevOps ecosystem and the toolkit for, for that long. So I, I would I would also add to what you've just said there that uh, experience is also one of the biggest things, just like any any job really, is you, you know, you have to have been doing the job for for a while. And yes, um, IT, the cloud, and, and DevOps is a fast-moving world, and it's a fast-moving environment. But you know, quite quite frankly and, and openly, after after six months a year in the role, you are not ready for a, a senior or a lead position as a DevOps engineer. You are still learning your craft, as far as I'm concerned. At, at that point, you still have uh, you know ways to go. Um, I I don't know if there's anything you know you can attest to on that. Yeah, I think I think the bar is high, and no one said that uh, it's going to be easy. I think we have so many domains of knowledge that come into this mm -hmm. thing called DevOps that you you need to know. And I I can see it from moving from one client to another. Every project is different. It has a different technology. Uh, it has a different stack. There you're solving different problems, and the bar is high. And it's okay not to be. Um, familiar with everything, right? It's not possible and you need to have uh, uh, confidence in that, but it's okay to be still be learning. You always have to learn. I, I still, whenever I start a new project, I get this, the imposter syndrome is kicking in. 
still, right? Yeah. I come, I, I speak with the client. They're all very confident in what they're saying and they're painting a picture that is very specific for their use case. And I'm like, uh, am I good enough for this project? Uh, am I, do I, do I have the skills for this? Because again, every project is new. It has a new technology that I've never seen before. Hmm. Yeah, no, I com I completely agree. Um, as, as an extension of, of that point, so, you know, one thing I think it'd be uh, good for us to go through, especially for people listening is, you know, to, today's DevOps professionals, like we were saying a bit earlier on is, you, you know, you cl clearly by the name, you are part of Dev, part Ops. Um, but what 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 do, you, what do we actually mean by that? You know, what what would you say are the key, um, the really key skills? So I know we went through things like you have to be good at Linux and uh, you know you have to be good at a cloud technology of, of whichever you know area you want to work in, whether that's AWS, Azure, or um, Google Cloud um, or wherever platform it is. You know, those things are a, a given, but what about some of the disciplines, I guess, is is what I'm trying to get to. So, you know, I think from an operations perspective, one of the best things you can bring in from an operations perspective is your ability to deal with the end user well, because you, you still have to do that in operations. And that, um, you know, with the, with the greatest respect to every developer I know, um, they are not the best at dealing with end users. Um, so, so there's certain characteristics there, I guess, and certain um, uh, set, certain themes that I think go a long, long way to making you that that rounded um, DevOps professional. So, what 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 else do you think? You know, certainly on the Dev side, um, what else do you think is a good thing that people need to be bringing over in, into that DevOps world to, to kind of elevate themselves to the next place? Well, I think they should have experience of different technologies and how we develop today. So you, for example, you, if you're working on a web-based company, right, they have a web app, they have a website, they maybe a mobile app that uses web technologies, you need to know how to work with um, web frame frameworks, right? right? You have React, you have... Vue.js, you have all these things that are now different. You need to be familiar with that. You need to maybe have an understanding of the of the workflow, how they uh, now they compile the the front end code, right? That's different, and yeah. you need to be exposed exposed to that. So, uh, one of the things that I usually uh, try to do when working with companies or uh, when onboarding a new developer to the team is having them develop something within the framework that the, that the company is using, right? If they're using a Spring, Java Spring Boot um, uh, backend with an Angular frontend, right? Sit down, try to write something rudimentary, something basic, but and see how that works. Try to understand the technology, uh, what the developer goes through. And and then you will have a better understanding of, okay, so this is how I should deploy it. Mm -hmm. This is the things that I should add early on that will make an impact later on for when deploying, right? Environment variables, configuration, and you will get in the process and be helpful for the developers, right? You're, yeah. You know what they're doing. 
And also later on, you will be able to um, create an optimal deployment for that and testing and everything. So I think getting to know the tech stack that the developers are using, I think I think that could be a huge win for uh, Dev DevOps people. Yeah, definitely. I I, I think. More on the dev side as well. Uh, one of the things that I'm quite passionate about from, from the dev side is around code quality. Um, uh, you know, the 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 the, the selfish uh, part in me is purely that if I open up a file on the Git repo, I want to be able to read it and understand it without having to almost learn the syntax of the language as well as the person that wrote its syntax if they use different line breaks from the standards if they use different indent lengths different way of commenting all that kind of stuff so you know when, when i talk about code quality first and foremost i think i mean the, the readability of that code and its adherence to that programming language's uh, standards defined by, by the overarching community or body that, that look after that piece of code and secondly as well i think as a developer um or, or as someone that is more dev focused in in devops you you have to be aware of your new releases and, and making sure that they don't degrade the overall performance or even worse make that performance completely erode or implode um, so that you get to a point where the app is now completely unusable. Uh, and there's plenty of tools out there to, to help you with this. I just think we need to make sure as with every piece of automation, whether it's in technology or outside of technology, you know, I would even include driverless cars in, in this statement, is that you don't want you don't want to lose the art of what you're doing because as as soon as you forget why the automation is doing what it's doing, you lose the ability to scrutinize and improve that automation. I think driverless cars are a great analog for, for this. If we start putting people who cannot drive behind driverless cars, then what happens in the scenario where something goes wrong with that automation? You know, the automation engine breaks and all of a sudden you have to drive. What, what happens? Uh, I think the same with a lot of the automation we put in for um, doing static analysis and, and code level analytics. You have to make sure you understand what the tools are telling you to make sure that you do a good job. Yes, definitely. Um, I think um, the security tools like uh, static analysis for security is, a, is, is another good example of uh, actually having to know this domain, right, of security. You get this report and what do I do with it now? How do I read it? So yes, you have to be versed in in that. So in security with static analysis, you have to know what is meaningful and what is not. You have to know how to code. You have to know how to point to a problem. Yeah, I think it's definitely something. And and I think also on the dev side, um, because things are new and learning and knowing how to code is such a powerful thing that you have all the options of creating your own tools and working on your own code and deployments and things like that. And if you're writing code, you should have good uh, development practices, right? You need, you need to test your code, which I have to say most DevOps people don't add unit tests and things like that to their code. And you need to have some quality and you need to work with the tools that are you're basically 
offering for your your developers. You have to kind of eat your own dog food. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I think that's a key thing with any organization that practices DevOps. You have to you have to eat your own dog food um, with, with anything really. But but I think one of the things that spans both. Dev and ops, I, I, and I think this is one true area of commonality is around app performance. So availability is one thing and performance analytics are, are another thing, but application performance. So from a development side, you should be familiar with APM tools to do things like decrease latency, give you complete visibility into the code and how it is executed. Um, same with your databases, any queues or messaging buses, third-party services, um, any caches you might use like Redis or Memcache, uh, any of those things. You know, it's, it's all right having these things in place, but from a dev side, you you have to be able to understand what how those tools are performing. It's all right having them in place and having them in place for you know most of the time a very good reason but you have to understand what good looks like from those specific services because without that you're you know you're in the you're in the blind quite frankly you, you are completely unable to say yes this application is performing well because you don't know what the baseline is uh, and then from the operation side as well i mean classically we we look at things like cpu memory network and disk io those kind of things Whereas in the DevOps world, modern operations, as I would like to call it, is, is around correlating all of those metrics with the application level metrics that I was just talking about then on the dev side. Not only does that help you solve problems a lot faster, I mean, it helps you have a deeper understanding of, of what the problem is and where the problem is because you're, you're correlating different data sets together to ultimately show the same thing. Yeah, and I think there's another benefit that is you can measure your work, you have benchmarks, you can improve, right? When you have all these metrics out there that you can see, you can be, you can work on, uh, when you introduce a new feature or an improvement, you can actually see the result and measure it and get better by uh, seeing the progress. That and, of course, being more proactive, right, with making changes. You can actually see the problems coming coming in. And uh, yeah, I think that's very important to have these tools before you start playing with a system, right? If you're making changes and you're not measuring it, if you don't know if, you're, if your builds failed or your deployment just caused an issue and CPU spiked, that's a huge problem. Yeah. I completely, completely agree. And you know, uh, just just to um, you know, kind of move on, on to the the next topic. Um, you know, we we talked earlier around has your um, has your personal understanding of DevOps it, it, it changed or evolved over the past few years. But if if you're a um, if you're a DevOps engineer in, in the field working at said organization day to day, then you know you, you everyone has career aspirations on, on where they want to get to. When when would you say is the right time for someone to start looking for that next step up to a senior level um, or a senior to a, a team lead 
level because obviously there becomes a point uh, in every job where you you know the longer you're in something you get more comfortable and the more adventurous ones among us will start to get bored <laughs> and you know you want to make sure that you're being being challenged in your role so when when is the right time to think you know what I want to start pushing forward to get to my senior my lead role or I need to move on to a a different organization is from your experience of working with people are there any warning signs people should look out for as to when you need to start stepping up to that next level i i think it kind of happens organically i'm not sure it's actually i can see it as an actual moment that it happens and because you you always want to be striving to be better to learn more and take on more responsibility and I think you just wake up one day and you're starting to see that people are coming to you more with mm-hmm. uh, uh, questions and maybe uh, they want you to help them specifically. And I think if you if you do talk about a specific point, I think it's it's at that point when you think you're uh, good to start working with other teams more and being more responsible and coming up with your ideas or when you start teaching people, right? I think senior engineering roles are more about mentoring people and helping other team members uh, progress and learn things and learn new methodologies and how to do things. So I think I think you that's the actual point. And when you want to move to another company is when you you can understand that you're not learning anymore, right? You're not learning or, there is a cap on you that kind of try to keep tries to keep you uh, grounded on the same with the same responsibilities as not giving more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. What is the I, I'm quite into um, the the work that uh, Simon Sinek uh, does. You know, to start with why. Yeah. And um, I've done throughout my career, actually, I've done a, a few different things around some of the leadership things that he um, doesn't and read uh, a few of his books. And one, one of the things or one of the things that I love, um, you know, really, oh, there's a lot I love about the work he does, but there's a couple of things that I love that he said and they'll always stick with me. The first one is that there are leaders and those who lead. Um, and I really like I really like that saying, uh, and it really makes you think if you do want to be a leader, you know what what does that mean for for me? Because um, the, the you know the true I think the true the people who are truly good at, at leadership, uh, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong, right? Le- leadership for me is not always about being at the top of the company or the top of your division, department, or team. And um, you can be a great leader while being in the same, you know, being an engineer within a team or, or any role. Um, there's a really good, um, really good friend of mine, actually, who I uh, work with now. Uh, we're really good friends. And um, she shared something with me uh, a while ago. Um, I, I was basically saying to her, you know, you're a great leader. This is why, blah, blah, blah. And um like most conversations between good friends is like you don't know what you're talking about it's like yes I do <laughs> this is why you're a great leader and 
what one of the things that really made me say that was she shared a conversation from someone a while ago earlier in her career uh, and, and i think at the time that she was actually managing this person but she she wasn't just looking out for people either side of her or above her she was looking out for people below her as well and that's a really good mark of a leader for me and the the point i'm trying to make with this here really is that for for me growing and getting to that next level like like you identified then it's around you know are people starting to come to you and treat you as the sme in a specific field you know do do they see you as the go-to person for a specific domain area of expertise those kind of things um you know are you being asked to get into strategy conversations about direction of where you go with certain technologies or process you know there's some really key signs but I, I think anyone anyone can be a great leader and, and show really good leadership in, in any role that they do. And, and one of the other quotes I really like from Simon Sinek is, um, le leadership is not about the results, it's about taking care of the people who are responsible for the results. And that, the, that, that really, for me, highlights what, what my uh, friend did, where someone was going through a pretty rough time um, from um, what I gather from the conversation we had and uh, and you know she was just there to say you know is everything all right you can talk to me about it um, you know if you need anything you know where I am and and it sounds really simple but I, I think those things are what starts to elevate you in your manager's mind as well because let's face it you you have to have that rapport with your leader to make sure that you are considered for promotion and moving on in your career. So I think it's really important that, that everyone looks at those things, especially, you know, given DevOps is so much about culture within an organization, those things that I just talked about there for me are really, really key, simple things that you can do in any organization to really, you know, elevate yourself as, as being seen as a leader within your organization. And like I say, lead, leadership is not always about managing a team, um, leading a division or leading a company. Anyone anyone can be a, a leader with them, but it's just by doing the right things. Yeah, and I guess it's back to, to the soft skills, right? I guess mm -hmm. maybe we come to the conclusion that to progress and you, you need to work on your on your soft skills you need to be uh, use your communication skills to improve them uh, you're basically doing some marketing right you have an idea that you want to promote maybe a new way to go maybe a new um, a new technology that you want to implement and you need to communicate that you need to get people to help you work on that you need to guide them yeah so I guess we're coming back to the soft skills yeah we talk about in DevOps, we talk about growth mindset a lot, don't we? And that's, uh, you know, that's that's a key soft skill for me. Growth mindset is you know, about really being able to um, make sure that you are thinking about the right things all the time, even when you're under pressure or even when things are not particularly going well. To make sure that you, you know, have the wherewithal um, to to put that to one side and focus on what really matters, and that will get you through. Uh, the problem uh, and, and, you know it's, it's, it's about being curious it's about being positive having a, the ability to listen being open about what's happening 
uh, you know, great great leaders for me are always people that are open to ideas and opportunities that don't shut it down at the first opportunity. Uh, even if it's not their idea, you know, they they will support you in in running with that idea. That you know, these are these are the soft skills that I think every great DevOps professional should really have to help their organization get to where they want to be. And if you are displaying those signs and you want to be in a leadership role, um, then you are probably well on your way to, to doing that. Yes, you need to have passion. I think passion to what you do is is what drives people to follow you as a leader. And um, yes, and leadership definitely doesn't have to be a a position of management, right? You can be a leader that in a more technologic, technology-based thing, right? You can be a leader by helping people. Uh, you can get promoted for non-tech for for being a technical leader. That's what I mean, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well. We're actually at the end of uh, the the episode, um, so, so it's been great having you um, on. Hopefully, uh, the people listening, you, you've picked up quite a bit around how to progress your careers and, and how to be a better um, engineer, so hopefully you found that um, useful. So um, first of all, Yuval, thank you very much for your time this week. It's been um, really good talking to you and, and uh, talking about this subject a, a little bit more. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, no problem. No problem at all. And uh, we will obviously uh, see you or, or hear you next week, rather, um, as we go into episode 21. And yeah, we're going to f- flip the conversation a little bit on, on its head and we're going to come at this from a developer's perspective. So um, how to improve your DevOps skills as a developer. So uh, again, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed and look forward to listening to you all next week.